Abba Yahweh, you're in control of this. Your word from your treasury, <clears throat> not my platform, your platform, Father God. Your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Abba Yahweh, Aman. Yeshua, Aman. Parakletos, Aman. So, sharing with you, brothers and sisters, from the treasury of God, our Father, the maker of all things made. I want to talk about what God wants me to talk about, his purpose, his calling, the mission of we are on. If you're a true believer, a true Christian, not a gospel, not a uh, cultural Christian or a SpongeBob Christian, but a real true Christian. Shared this with you before, a Christian, Christ-like or from Christ. That's what it means. What if, yeah, let's look at some what ifs. What if Jesus Christ was uh, more like mammon today and more like many that claim to be Christians are today? Uh, you know, Peter, James, John, Nathaniel, Philip, I'm not feeling it today. You go on ahead without me. Um, you know, I'm I'm just not feeling comfortable. I'm feeling like, you know, I don't want to get embarrassed out in front of these people talking about my father. I don't want to heal anybody today. I, I'm going to hang out here. I'm just going to hang out back here and, and uh, maybe sip a little of this wine that was brought to us to share with our meal and I'm yeah I'm I'm just going to stay here in my comfort zone because I'm not comfortable going out there and being about my father's business today I'll talk to my father and you know kind of explain things to him <clears throat> pardon me and uh, I'm sure it'll be okay you 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 go ahead without me today oh my gosh hello Jesus Christ stepped off the throne of heaven that he sat in, set his crown down and said, I'll go. Came down here, leaving many of his heavenly attributes behind. Some things he brought, Father God permitted. But brother and sisters, he didn't walk on this earth with all of his heavenly virtues. He would not have run into the situation he did when he went back to Nazareth. They wanted to toss him. They didn't believe him. Ah, you're just the son of that carpenter. We know your family. We know your brothers and your sister. We know your mother. We know your aunts and uncles. They lived here. They were born here. We know you. And an old adage comes up out of that. I think it was born in Nazareth. Familiarity breeds contempt. And you know, looking back on this, I, I seem to see that more and more and more. When people think or they, they believe that they know you, they believe less and then they, they like to start the rumor mills going. You know, it's, I've run into that. And I just looked them straight. I said, you don't even know me. Oh, I know enough. What, what do you know? Were you with me when, you know, I don't, this is my thought process. Were you with me when I was growing up? Did you walk with me through my being raised in church? Did you go through my troubles and all the things when I needed someone there? And in those days, I was not wholly looking to God as I should have been. I was not walking that way I should have been. Which is why I am where I am now. But brothers and sisters, we were made by God to be his children and have a choice. Do you choose to share the good news gospel of Jesus Christ or do you choose to sit in your recliner, pull the lever and sit back because you want to be comfortable? You want to be slothful. You want to be sluggardly. 
in what God has called us to do. His purpose is to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I talk about the darkness and the things that are happening in the world. Brothers and sisters, if you're looking around the world and you don't see the prophetic wisdom and truth and knowledge of God the Father, then you are wearing your rose-tinted glasses and they're tinted way too dark because, brothers and sisters, I look around this place that we are residing in, that we're passing through and traveling through, and I'll share Billy Graham's words again. I love, I love that man. I love that man. And you know, he used to pray before the Pledge of Allegiance. When Congress met, he would be invited in and before a state of a union, and he would be invited in to pray. You see that happening today anywhere? There's a few standouts that still hold prayer and they say the Pledge of Allegiance. But brothers and sisters, you see the majority that do not, and you see what they're pandering and what they're pushing is fear and lies, control, because they're not following the word of God. They're not seeking the word of God and the guidance of God. Brothers and sisters, we still need to, these egregious acting elected officials, we still must pray for them. We are told to pray for them. We're commanded to do that thing. The Bible says that we should do it. Paul wrote a letter to his uh, young protege. I believe it's in 2 Timothy. We'll flip back here. I'm sorry, taking me a moment. I'm jumping on to this. And that we're looking to do the very thing that the Bible tells us to do. We should be praying for those that are elected and have been elected. And it is actually in 1 Timothy. And, and Timothy was, uh, interestingly, he was at one of the churches and, and actually the preacher there that Paul and was spoken of in, in Revelations, actually. But that was not necessarily a faulted thing, but it's it's a thing that, that Jesus was trying to exhort them so that they would come and turn. And this is what the gospel is all about, the saving. But Paul wrote in his first letter to Timothy, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers. That means that we pray on other people's behalf. And supplications are petitions to the Lord God Almighty. And giving thanks, first of all, for all things. And that we do that thing for all. For the kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. <coughs> Pardon me, brothers and sisters. Sorry about that. But here's the thing. They're going to choose to be the way that they are. However, that doesn't mean that we just stop praying for them. And then, of course, there are many that are question that. And oh, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Well, if you're a true believer and a true Christian, it makes all the sense. It makes perfect sense. Because God told us that we need to do that. We should be doing that. We ought to do that. And has commanded us to do that. And the thing of it is that, what's the problem here? You'd rather do what mammon directs to be done and you'd rather follow the lies and the untruth and the fear pandering and fear mongering you'd rather do that than follow what God says to do or his leading or his words and his truth interesting but that's the way of it you can't have faith in God because you can't see him you don't lean in and listen to them. You try to figure things out and you're leaning on your own understanding so you don't see God. You don't hear God. So therefore, you can't have faith in God. And I throw the same analogy at you. How can you have faith in the mechanic that you don't see work on your car? You don't know that he does the work or she, 
They're female mechanics nowadays, and some of them are pretty doggone good. But you don't see them do any of the work that they bill you for, yet you have faith in them, and then you're going to get in that car and believe that the wheels aren't going to fall off as you drive down the road. Brothers and sisters, you can argue to the cows come home, that's faith. You have faith that that mechanic has done all those things, and you pay the mechanic. <clears throat> the same thing with the airlines. I've talked to you about that. So the question comes around full circle to <clears throat> why then can you not have faith in God? And for me, he has exhibited his truth, his knowledge, his wisdom, his love, his grace, his mercies time and time again. And I have been told and, and this is one of the blessings that he gives to me, and it's, it's profound. They tell me simply by, you know, not all, just being complimentary, but I tell them because I have been touched by God. God blesses me. They don't understand how I'm my age, and yet I look so much younger. And I do, brothers and sisters, with my heart believe that God has touched me and allows us to be in my body. I feel my age internally, but there are those that come to me. I've, I've had them <clears throat> come to me in my work. <laughs> it's pretty funny because they start to scold me like I'm almost like I'm a child and rattle on and on and like I'm, I'm so-and-so years old and I'm this and I'm that. And I look at him and I said, really? I said, well, in that case, I'm going to declare seniority. You're going to sit down and do what you're supposed to do and quit being so aggressive and bothering other people because that's what you're doing right now. And I claim seniority because I'm 10 years older than you are. Now sit down, behave yourself, or you don't go with us. Yeah, they were 10 years younger than me, and they appeared to be 10, 12 years older than me. And they thought so. That is truly a touch of God's hand, and he has blessed me that way. That's not bragging. That's Yeah, I'm bragging on God. That's not about me. This is not vaunting my position and my vain glory. This is about the hand of God, and he does and will do these things, brothers and sisters. God does and will do these things. And we need to set aside our thought, our understanding, because there's nothing God does that we will be able to contemplate, figure out, and put together. Those that do are confounded purely confounded. There are those that are still searching through the Bible, trying to figure out the codes for the return of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And why are they planning? Why are they trying to plan around this? See, that's my question. What do they, what do they got? What's their, what's the shinny here? What's, I mean, what's the plot? Why do you need to plan for that? Do what the word of God tells you and teaches that you do. That we pray for the kings and princes, which is Bible speak for presidents, governors, and mayors. There are some countries that have presidents or kings and princes. There, there are those countries that do, and we are commanded to pray for them and as their folks are as well. <clears throat> and we need to just be about our Father's business. We need to pray for them as we are told to do in the Word of God. And we need to be aware of things that the Bible tells us to do. Um, and our purpose is as Jesus Christ told his disciples, and we can find this in, in Mark 16, 
15 through 17. Actually, I'm going to share that. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth that is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out, cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. And he, there's some other signs and things here. <clears throat> and unfortunately, <laughs> there are those that did not study and read contextually. They took it out of context. And you've seen or heard of them, the... Uh, Churches that dance around and pray with vipers and rattlesnakes and cottonmouths and all that stuff there because they say that they're protected. and God. But the, the word of God also says, Thou shalt not tempt thy Lord thy God. Which means that you don't ceremoniously and ritualistically put yourself in harm's way, stupidly put yourselves in harm's way to test God and bring him down and say, Watch this. I'm gonna have this. I'm gonna have this cobra, and I'm holding it here, and I'm gonna stick it up in my face, brothers and sisters. That is tempting God to prove His protective nature. God protects us all the time. Don't push that edge because we're told not to do that. So just believe and walk in faith. They had one of those preachers of one of those churches, and there's a bunch of them out there, and got bit right in the neck by a cop, by a diamondback rattlesnake, a big diamondback rattlesnake. I didn't finish up the story to find out if he survived or not, but, but that's foolhardy. You're not going to go jump off the edge of a cliff and say, God, you promised to keep me and hold me. So here I go, because you're going to not let me hit that big pile of boulders down there at the bottom. You're going to grab me and lift me up, and I'll be saved because you said so. It doesn't exactly work that way, brothers and sisters. God walks with us, beside us, and keeps us so that we don't walk off the edge of the cliff or get to it and foolishly jump saying, okay, God, you're in charge, and if I hit the bottom, then you're not, and I'm not going to believe you. Well, splatter yourself, because guess what? It doesn't work that way. You chose to be a fool rather than being a wise man or woman and following the sign that God put down there on the edge of the cliff and said, cliff ahead, turn left, cliff ahead, turn right. You must have faith that the detour is the road. There is a reason that God puts detours. And I have difficulty with this sometimes. And last night as I was sitting in a line of traffic behind this train that took almost 15 minutes to go by, and then it stopped and started to back up, and then going up and sitting there, and instead of getting exasperated, I started to smile. And then I remember the scripture, and I remember the song. The detour is the road. And I said, God, you got a reason for delay? Every delay, we need to change our focus. Instead of being agitated by so much that happens around us and get caught up in what's going on around us, God has a reason. It's the same thing. I talk about what people, the doom and gloomers call, oh, I don't want to hear about that. I just want to hear about this, all this nice stuff. And there, there's some individuals that come to mind and I, I, I pray, I, I do. I pray for them. I don't change it any and I don't get agitated with them and around, but there's so much about, oh, look what I've done. Look what I'm doing. Look where I'm going. And this is even on... Sundays when they ought to be in church and things and then they and then there's a declaration that they give and it's okay it is really okay that's their choice we have been given a choice <clears throat> but to look around and and they at the same time in in their declaration for um 
things of the word, but when they're in absenteeism. That's your choice. I still pray for them because we are to pray one for another. We must because the Bible tells us to do so. But we also must be about this thing that Jesus told us and told his disciples, which we are disciples, brothers and sisters. If we believe and we say that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, we have faith in God, and we believe that the Holy Spirit has come to guide, teach, and help us find answers to our questions, will lead us to those. If we do not lean into our own understanding, but we lean in to hear the still small voice of God. Jesus Christ said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. (coughs) Pardon me. I just, I just uh, noticed right here. (laughs) I've read this and I just read it a few moments ago and I just, repeated it. Go and preach the gospel. He did not say, go and preach the gospel of me, which would not have been so egregious because he's the only begotten son of God. But remember everything that Jesus Christ did or was about? What did he do? He would say, if you believe on what I tell you, you will do what I say, things of this nature. But he was always giving God, the Father, Abba Yahweh, maker of all things made, the glory and the praise. (coughs) Pardon me. He was always giving God, the Father, the praise and glory. And when he talks about, when he came down and he he mentioned this to the Sanhedrin, Jesus Christ was preaching the gospel of God the Father. He wasn't preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was preaching the truth, the knowledge, and the wisdom of God the Father. Which, in turn, pardon me, brothers and sisters, I am sorry. Which, in turn was actually the disciples, the apostles, Paul, Peter, John, Mark, Luke, they all wrote these things down and is coined the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in reading the good news of Jesus Christ that he came and sacrificed himself for me and whoever else would hear and listen, he was preaching the gospel of God the Father, faith and belief. Jesus Christ was preaching about God, the Father. These things that are going on around us in this world today actually didn't start in this modern day and time. They started quite a long time ago. Some of you that read the Bible, and there may be some that do not, and young, and they might not have heard these stories from the Old Testament. There are churches that are kind of it's kind of splintering, sort of like the Sanhedrin was. You had those that believed in only the written law, and then you had some, as Nicodemus became a little bit more progressive, thinking that, hey, maybe there's more to this, and we need to explore this reasoning because Jesus Christ is telling us that it's that way. And you had the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were at odds with one another because they didn't believe exactly correctly and and a lot of their teachings and things that they were doing were out of context. And you have churches that today that only preach from the New Testament and you have some that only preach from the Old Testament and they're separate. And, and when they come together with anything or discussion, they argue. What is that about? Don't be confrontational. Stand upright, be bold, be robust in the glory of God the Father. Don't stand down in cowardice. Don't step aside and compromise 
well, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said in, that the scripture said that, that what your ideologies are is an abomination to God and, and so it should be to me. Well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Oh, yes, you should have. If it is an abomination to God and it's in the word of God and it's the truth, God said it, it's the truth, I believe it, period. <clears throat> if it declares it to be an abomination to God, it should be, must be an abomination to you as well. However, here's the proviso. <clears throat> we'll segue into this other. That is the ideology, not the person. There are those that are in the body of Christ or claim to be part of the body of Christ and claim to be Christian, but they cannot separate ideology from people. That's contrary to biblical teaching. So get back in the word, study it, and see what it says. The ideologies of these egregious elected officials, the activities that they are doing, and how they even got elected is beyond me. And it makes me angry, but I don't sin in my anger. It tells us that it's okay to be angry, but not to sin in our anger. So what do I do? I might share that I don't like them, I don't trust them, I don't believe in them, I have no faith in them as a leader. That's fine. However, I pray for them. <clears throat> it is entirely possible that they could choose to repent. And how am I to judge against them that that possibility is real? It must be allowed, brothers and sisters, and that allowance is that we pray for them like we're told to do. We are to pray for the kings, the princes, the presidents, the governors, the mayors. They may choose to repent and say, you know what? We're wrong. I'm wrong. We need to do the right thing. And there will be those that will be at enmity with them for their repentance just like there are against us for what we believe. If we are a true believer and follower of Jesus Christ, faith in God and leading of the Holy Spirit, we will be at enmity, not because we go out and we bang on people's doors with bats and battering rams and scream the gospel at them, because then, of course, that would be contrary to biblical teaching but simply because we do it. Jesus Christ told his disciples, he told me, he told you, if you are a true believer and a follower of the word and you share it, then you are too a disciple and we are told to go in the world and share the word. But Jesus Christ also gave them forbearance to this thing and he also gave them forewarning. You will be hated for my name's sake. There will be those that choose to hate us, even unto members of our own family, because they don't believe, they don't trust, they don't have faith, and they don't want to hear they have chosen to be that way. But remember, brothers and sisters, that's their choice. And what do we do? You don't get in their face, grab them by each side of their shirt or their collar or grab them by the ponytail and drag them in, sit them down and force feed them the gospel. That's not how it's done. And that's contrary to biblical teaching. Instead, you separate their ideology from the person. And you say, you know what? I love you anyway. I'm gonna keep praying for you and we don't have to debate this. I mean, I love you. You're family. I love you. And they may still turn you in to that time that Jesus talked about, that they will turn you in to their synagogue and their elders and their teachers, whatever they may be. And you may be imprisoned because of their testimony against you. That does not mean that you hate them, despise them, and you go contrary to biblical teaching. Paul was imprisoned in so many different places and most of the, the, his adult life after, 
And remember, he used to burn out and kill Christians and burn out churches. And yet he became a powerful, powerful, powerful man of God. And most of his epistles were written from imprisonment. And he taught that I have learned to live in need and in or in want and to have and not to want. He learned how to live on both ends of the spectrum. There were times where he was actually quite prominent and had a place to live and didn't want for money and then walked away from that payment of the Romans and the Pharisees, by the way, the teachers of the word as they arrogantly spoke to others about and tried to tell Jesus. So brothers and sisters, we need to be aware that these things and times are coming. However, it's not a closed off tunnel. Brothers and sisters, this is just a foreshadow of what is coming, of what is prophesied in the word of God. There are some countries in Europe right now that are subcutaneously injecting these microchips and they're testing them out so that when you go into a store and you go to buy things and you pass your hand under the gizmo and it beeps, you know, like debit card and stuff like that that we have now. And if it doesn't, then you're not allowed to buy, sell, or trade. Interesting. That sounds quite like biblical prophecy. They're trying to engage in a globalized government and globalized buying and selling that it's going to be all one. And they're trying to convince people that, oh, this is a good thing. Then we will, then everybody, you can go anywhere and buy anything anytime. Oh, no, you can't. You have to go back in the Bible. This is, uh, this is perfect. Globalism that they're trying to initiate is prophesied, brothers and sisters. It is in the Bible. And it also talks about one leader coming out from the rubble of things that are going to go on. One. And that will be the Antichrist and his beast to convince the world that they are in charge. And there will be many that will turn and follow. And globalism isn't something new that just cropped up. You can go back into Genesis. You go all the way back into the book of Genesis. In 10.9, talks about Nimrod. Some that read the Bible, some that pay attention, and some that know this is a story of Nimrod and Babel. And it talks about Nimrod was actually one of the sons of the sons of the son of Noah when they came back. But here this shows the choice that people make. God, yeah, God took the world out because they had become so dark and terrible. And actually, they did, the nation as it was then turned their back against God. So Nimrod being a I can't remember the count now. I think it was a four-time great-grandchild of Noah. Became a mighty man before God. Just means that he came up and, and all the people around on the earth there at that time were before God. And, and he had become a mighty man. Oh, what did that translate to? That means that he was a mighty hunter. He was very powerful and he vaunted himself higher and above her, above anyone else. Above her. That's not even a word. Sorry about that. <laughs> higher and above everyone else because of his strength and power. It was a very tribal thing. He was the most powerful. He was the strongest, so he was in charge. And he had many warriors that, out of fear or other reasons that they followed him and he had a powerful army and made that and he would vaunted himself higher than anyone else and he said that he was in charge of everyone else and he was basically at that time he was a empiric dictatorial leader 
He was the leader of the world, known world at that time, and called together everyone and said, you're going to work for me, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to build this huge tower. It's not only going to be an honorific toward me, but we're going to build it to heaven. We're going to go up and talk to God, and we're going to do it our way. Huh. God did not appreciate that at all. And what did he do? God came down and also you will find that God is talking to somebody. God said, let us go down and confuse the language. Remember this, brothers and sisters. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the word was with God. And then it says, and the word became flesh. The word, Jesus Christ. So they came down and confused the language so that nobody knew what each other was saying. The uh, builders didn't understand what the architect was talking about and the structural designer, they couldn't figure out what the other was meaning to say because their language was confused. And the Tower of Babel that they were gonna build to heaven failed. It failed. The unity was for vainglory and not for the worship of God. It was for the worship of mammon. Brothers and sisters, we are to be one mind, one body, but the worship of God the Father who created all things. Don't bond yourself above anybody else. Brothers and sisters, I might have more knowledge and wisdom to be able to put these words together, but I wouldn't have it if it wasn't for God. I prayed and asked God to do this for me. I prayed for God to bless me so that I can bless others. And then through him doing that with me and through me, I am blessed. If I have things I give and I share with people, and when they tell me, oh, okay, and they want to, I've had them crying, weeping, and thanking me, thanking me, and thanking me. And I look them straight in the face. I said, thank God, because God blessed me so that I can bless you. Thank God. And some of them turn and they look up and they say, thank you. Or they say, okay, I will, I will. Whether they do or they don't, that's not my decision and it's their choice to make. But brother and sister, the point of it is, is that nothing we have, Nothing we do is about us. We need to be aware of those things that are coming. They're prophesied. They're in the Bible. I heard a term today from one of my favorite teachers. I really, really, really like this guy's teaching a lot. And I have tried his spirit, and I know that it is the spirit of truth, and it is the spirit of God, and it comes from the Bible. And I love the guy. And here's a whole lot of, there's a lot of things that people don't get, is that you have so many people. This uh, is actually uh, a Baptist minister. <laughs> this uh, actually kind of blows me away. There's certain things that he does that, that still follow that line, but... You know, if any of you, and I, I went, and I know, and I see that they're, they tend to be a little bit more, how can I say this, a little bit more rigid about things, and, and sometimes uh, the very firm are not believing in a lot of the spiritual gifts and things, and that you, you can't do certain things because God doesn't do it anymore. <clears throat> Pardon me. But this man teaches from the Bible. He teaches the truth. He teaches the truth and knowledge and wisdom of God. That's not to say that the others are, uh, they're just a little bit misled and you still pray for them. I mean, this is a thing that we're supposed to do. And we pray for the support and the knowledge and wisdom for our elders, the preachers and teachers, and the Holy Spirit to guide them. But this man, I've tried his spirit and the Holy Spirit tells me that he is truth. <clears throat> tells me that his word is good. Pardon me. See, the enemy does this through the course of my sharing because he wants me to be disruptive and he doesn't. He wants me to be disrupted and interrupted. And uh, he's got a disruptive attitude, but this is the attack. You know, and it's very, sometimes very subtle. I've shared that with you. This is called that white noise. 
Remember, I've shared that term with you before, brothers and sisters, and he uses it a lot. Why? Because we get distracted. But Dr. Jeremiah is a truthful, eloquent speaker. <clears throat> he has that theological degree from Mammon, and, and that's good. I mean, he did a lot of studies, a lot of course studies and things that he does. My degree comes from HSU, and that's all I need is a validation of God. He has God's validation. I believe, and God has put that stamp of approval through the Holy Spirit to me because I tried his spirit, and that's what God does. But this man <clears throat> has declared that the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation are actually twins, a little bit separated. But when you read through the book of Daniel, it's not only talking about in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, but there's a lot of prophecy in there that talks about the birth of Christ and things that are going to develop and come about in the world. And let's take a look. And I mean, he was talking about that statue that was in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And the head, silver, bronze, or brass, bronze, and then uh, the feet of clay. And talking about the rock, the rock that came and shattered that thing. The rock. Does that not sound familiar? Rock of ages. Jesus is our rock, our shelter. Jesus Christ is a rock. And Daniel was talking about the rock that came, or in the dream Nebuchadnezzar saw, but God gave that vision to Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel being the man of God that he was, they were, they were leading and guiding Nebuchadnezzar, who then came later on after Nimrod and, and became a very powerful global empire. He was in charge of the entire known world at that time. A dictator, very powerful. Many people feared him. But what did he fear? He feared his dreams. God spoke to Nebuchadnezzar in his dreams. And if you remember the story, go back in Daniel, read Daniel. It's a very good book. The book of the book. The story of Nebuchadnezzar, how he was later thrown to his knees and he wandered through wild places and acted as an animal, ate grass, roared like a lion, a whole lot of noise. But God preserved his kingdom. And when he came back, he, instead of the vainglory that he had, pumping up himself what he had accomplished, he gave praise to God and recognize God as being sovereign authority and that God is ruler of all. Globalization is a thing that actually some years ago, the United Nation was sort of secretly plotting to do this one world government, one world economy, one world currency, I mean, they're still attempting and they're kind of slyly putting this in, these uh, subtle things that they keep pushing for. You know, people talk about all these things that you need to invest in, you need to believe in this, you need to do that. It's going to be that way. It's going to be the way of the world. It's going to make everything easier. Yeah, it's going to make everything easier for the beast and the Antichrist when they get ready to take over things, when everybody's following one government and they decide that they're going to be in charge of that government. But the rock of ages will come and shatter that dream because he's promised to do so. These dark things that can be found in the book of Revelation, Revelation 13, and that thing that they're already practicing and, and um, testing out, experimenting with those chips that are putting in people's hands. There's some countries in Europe that are doing that now. Don't know specifically what country it comes from, or where that started from, but remember, if you remember the statue going all the way down that the uh, iron legs being of the iron empire, the iron army of Rome, and then they're still talking attached to that, you have the feet that are left over that weren't talked much about that, but it's very significant. I love that Dr. Jeremiah was pointing these things out and that the, you know, you have these 
10 toes that were on this, these feet that weren't discussed. And yet it seems like there seem to be 10 main countries, European countries that seem to be on the forefront of this world globalization, world economy, one world leadership, and they seem to be promoting this and pushing it. I need to get into the word and study that section a lot more, but it's very profound. But brothers and sisters, the darkening deep that is coming and Jesus Christ talked about, <clears throat> we cannot look at it as doom and gloom. We can't do that because that's contrary to biblical teaching. It's not doom and gloom. How can somebody sit back and say, oh, that's so doom and gloom. This is my home. No, it's not. We're just passing through. We're traveling through. But while we pass through here, we're on a working visa that we're allowed to have that God gave us, put his stamp of approval on it and says, you share the gospel so that everyone in this place that I'm going to allow you to travel with and you have my, my visa and my authority to do so, that you give them the opportunity to come and believe and have faith and, and come home. I want you to share that with them while you're passing through. A working visa is not a bad thing. There's a lot of people that do that. These folks that are trying to crash the gates now, many of them are not. There are some that are migrant workers that have work visas and, and they want to immigrate legally and rightfully. They have documentation. They have that stamp of approval. We have a stamp of approval. If we're true believers in Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, we have that stamp of approval to travel through here already. It's okay, but this is not our home. Those that declare this as being your home, get in the word, get in the word, study the word, study to show thyself approved. That's contrary to the biblical teaching, not until after, after this place is purged of all the nasty and filth. Uh, I, I, I can't be, dis some of this stuff, these are distractions that are put in the world, okay? You see people walking down, I see people walk down the street and trying to run up to a bus as it's going down the road and they've got a big tall beer in their hand. They just got out of the store and they're guzzling it as they're running. And then before they get to the bus, they run right past the trash can. But what do they do? They throw the bag and the can up in the air and they go and they keep running. Excuse me? You just ran by literally three steps back away from you, a trash can. I watched these young men that were all standing around a car for whatever reason and they're eating and, and they're crumbling up the paper. Instead of putting it in the box, there's a trash can less than 10 feet. And what are they doing? They're throwing all of their garbage just over their shoulder behind them. This world, the lack of stewardship that we have, that's ultimately what it's about. But when Jesus Christ comes again, all these things are going to be purged out. This place is going to be made new. And brothers and sisters, we cannot look at doom and gloom and the darkness that's here. We have to worship and thank God in all things. We must be appreciative and that Jesus Christ is coming as he promised he would. That's not doom and gloom, brothers and sisters. That's glory, light, and that's gospel. Gospel, the word means good news. How is that doom and gloom? It's not. It's not doom and gloom. Philippians 4.19 And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God has promised all we have to do is believe that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son, have faith in God, and lean in and listen to the teaching and guidance of the Holy Spirit. In my letter of adoption, and anyone else who accepts, believes, and has faith, it is your letter of adoption as well. Romans 8. I love this book. Romans and Colossians. I'm coming to 
terms with Colossians. See, Romans is, is my letter of adoption, so I favor Romans, but Colossians is very important because it's uh, speaking of our adoption, but it's also speaking on the truth and what we need to be about, our Father's business. And this is what we're to do. And it's on how to share the gospel and sharing the gospel and doing these things. But I'm running as fast as I can over here to Romans 8. Okay, so all these things are getting on. And I'm going to actually go back... uh, I'm going to go back here several verses and then I'm going to, I'm getting very verbose. So I'm, <laughs> um, it talks about all these things. Who is it that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He intercedes for us. And we are told that Jesus Christ prays for us every day. Intercession means that he comes in between on our behalf. Not only did he come and sacrifice himself on the cross, but continually now in this day and age with us and all, he continues to pray and intercede for us. Who shall separate from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So take that and put it in your doom and gloom pipe and smoke it. That's not doom and gloom, brothers and sisters. That's a promise of God and Jesus Christ. There's nothing. And these angels that they talk about are those minions that were cast out with Satan. They work for him. They're some of his demons. And then he has his puppets. So, brothers and sisters, we have a brightness. And that is promised us by God the Father. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that light. He is the light in this world. He is our, if you might say, he's our lighthouse. He draws us to a safe haven. But as we walk through and the Holy Spirit is with us, we have a bright flashlight in our hands. Here's the key, brothers and sisters. You have to click on the switch. You have to turn it on. You can't just walk around and hold it in your hand. Turn on that flashlight. Be blessed. Have a great day.